0: Welcome to the podcast of Inspiring Women in Hospitality. I'm Noreen Ahmed, your host. Each episode, I invite a woman from the hospitality industry to share her story with us, why she got into hospitality, her journey so far, her learnings, and who inspires her. On this episode, we hear from Sandini, recorded in March 2023. She has combined her love of travel, tourism, ocean conservation, into a career in sustainable tourism. All right, we're now recording. Hello everyone, Noreen here. Today I'm with Sandini, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So tell us a little bit more about yourself.
1: Yeah, so my name is Sandini Lina Gamage and I am from Sri Lanka and have lived in Canada and Abu Dhabi in the UAE before moving here to the US um, to complete my undergrad degree uh, in chemical engineering at Georgia Tech. Um, And since then, I have lived in New Mexico and Colorado to pursue a career in environmental consulting, um, and more recently moved to uh, Durham, North Carolina uh, to complete my master's in environmental management um, at Duke University. Um, and you know when you say tell me about yourself um, something that really matters to me is is traveling (laughs) (laughs) and it is a really big part of who I am um, regardless of my career it's it's something I find very meditative Um, Mm. I think you know when I travel I feel like I'm actually building more self-awareness than when Mm -hmm. I'm still (laughs) Um, and that's it's been really important for me Um, I also just really enjoy meeting people during my travels and and hearing their stories. Um, I think that probably came from my time as a kid. Uh, my, my teachers would complain to my parents that I talked too much. <laughs> um, and I, I think that has changed a bit um, now, but I, I consider myself an introvert, but I still think that curiosity about people has stayed with me. Um, and I think the other thing about myself is um, I've grown very passionate about ocean conservation. And so whether that's in work or outside of work, it's something I, really have been pursuing through attending events or uh, listening to webinars. It's a topic that has been near and dear to me. So,
0: yeah. Sorry, what conservation was that?
1: Ocean conservation.
0: Ocean conservation. Great. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for that introduction. And yeah, I think one of the I know what's going to be my first question, but um, what I will say is that um, you know, the the love of travel is probably something that a lot of us share, um, those who've been on this podcast and those who listen to it as well, but I've never heard it described as being meditative. I think that's the first time I've heard of it, but I agree when you kind of explained it that building the self-awareness, I think that, that I definitely agree with because when you come out of what is your usual environment and you go somewhere new, you're then adapting and opening yourself up to new ways, new cultures, and new ways of living, thinking, whatever that may may look like. And, yeah, you get to meet some incredible people along the way. So that was really nice. I like the way that you described that. Thank um, you. I mean, it took, it
1: took a while to get yeah. to that, you know, <laughs> that realization. <laughs>
0: um, so I guess my first question is around, yeah, why, uh, you know, you know you did chemical engineering then environmental management you know like why what is what where does that passion or that drive you know come from
1: yeah um so as I mentioned I did grow up with a love for travel um and hospitality and I think there's there were two reasons for that um my father was in the aviation sector Um, and I'm also from Sri Lanka uh, which is a country that you know depends a lot on tourism and so I saw a lot of that in my day-to-day life the importance of tourism um so even from childhood memories I remember paying attention to little details that you know hotel staff or flight attendants would do to make the guest experience better um but it wasn't until about three years ago that I made that connection um to my own career goals um so it took a while for me to get there um and It came up when I took a certificate in corporate social responsibility at uh, the University of Colorado. Um, It was a three month program and it exposed me to topics on sustainability, which was still new to me. And at the end of the program, our uh, professor asked us to do a project where we kind of had to explore what we had learned and how we were gonna apply it to uh, our long-term career goals. Mm -hmm. And that's when I really had to sit down and think, okay, what do I want next? What am I passionate about? And I came across this idea of sustainable tourism. Um, And that's when I realized I wanted to use my existing environmental consulting background to provide solutions that would address climate change um, at destinations and in tourism. And I think it's a great way to influence um, more sustainable behaviors uh, by providing a guest experience that actually incorporates environmentally friendly practices. And so it's kind of a mix of really um, my own passions, but also my actual work experience, finding a way to, to blend the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it took a while for me to get there. And I had to con- convince myself at times that it was the right uh, right path um, to once I got there, it felt great. But last year, um, I also got an opportunity to work on a biodiversity strategy project with uh, Las Vegas Sands uh, as a course uh, project. And it was great because it kind of exposed me finally to tourism and sustainability. And it convinced me that this was the path that I wanted to be on. So,
0: yeah. Thank you for that um, background and kind of how your thought process was going. I mean, yeah, I think sometimes, you know, we don't take the time to think about what are our long-term career goals and how do we want to do that. So I think it's great that that you did. But so when you were thinking about your career goals what kind of questions were you asking yourself like what were some of the things that were important to you like did you have values or questions or certain like okay these are these are the things I have to include or these are things okay I can live with Um, talk us a little bit through that journey.
1: Yeah, I think something, and it took me a few years of working to get there, but something that really mattered to me is um, the value around uh, recognizing the importance of diversity, um, whether that was from backgrounds or knowledge. Um, So I wanted to be in a place which would really recognize that we need to have more interdisciplinary mindsets um, when we're tackling sustainability, and um, that's sometimes hard to find. And so that was something that I was really focused on. Um, and as I was continuing this search, I would talk a lot to other people in this space. And so the questions I would ask is, you know, what are the challenges, and what are what are some of the gaps that um, the hospitality sector is trying to fill? And so it was kind of like a two way uh, process where you know I was thinking of my own values, but I also wanted to understand what the sector needed, so I can feel like I I know where I fit in. Um, And so that played a big role, just having those conversations, reaching out a lot to professionals in the hospitality sector. There were a lot of people who, um, you know, would respond to me uh, through cold calling, which was really um, I was humbled by that and very grateful, actually, for the people who met with me um, through Zoom calls to really share their experiences. Um, I also wanted to obviously as someone who didn't have the traditional hospitality uh, education, you know, I wanted to understand, is that something I needed? Um, Was it necessary to enter this space? And it was great to hear a mix of views on that. But a lot of people said, you have the environmental background. And that's something we want um, in the hospitality sector. So don't see it as a weakness. Um, And try to, you know, understand that that's actually a strength. And that took me some time to really see that that connection of you know, this is a strength, and it's it's something I should value um, and see as something that I'm bringing to the table, and not not a not a weakness. Um, and so, yeah, those were some of the things that uh, that mattered to me as I continued this search. Um, but yeah,
0: And know, uh, that's a really good point um, that you bring about what you're bringing to the table, and um, that you are you have a different perspective because if someone is doing a traditional hospitality education they're not touching environmental or even if they are they're just kind of scratching the surface right right um you know they they may have a course around csr or esg or sustainability in general but that's just more about building awareness rather than necessarily you know being very professional like being a proper professional in it unless you choose like okay that's the area that i want to focus on and then you go on and you know do some further education there And I've also always thought it's important to sometimes have people from outside of the industry to have a fresh perspective. Um, You know, in my career, especially when I was in a marketing role, Mm I actually most of the time I hired from outside of the industry uh, because Mm -hmm. they gave me they would ask me questions that I would take for granted (laughs) because, you know, that I just like, you know, always just assume that that's the way that we we say things or the way that we do things. But you know, sometimes, especially when you're thinking about marketing and communication, you know, that it's actually better to have someone who's not so entrenched in hospitality, because then they can really look at it with a fresh pair of eyes. So I've always valued people asking questions, and yeah, just challenging us sometimes. And I think especially with what you're working on with environmental issues, we do need to be challenged, you know, we do need to be Thinking about how we're, you know, developing our hotels, running our hotels, um, you know, what kind of impact is that happening having on the environment, and really make it part of our day to day, which is, you know, not fully entrenched as yet, from my point of view, from what I can see.
1: Yeah, I fully agree, and and both it's both ways too. I love also hearing from people who are, you know, who have been in the hospitality sector, reminding. The people in the environmental sector, how it's difficult to implement yeah. some of these initiatives that you know might seem simple or, or easy from an environmental perspective, but not so much from a um, from the the management side, right? So I think that's also been just really valuable. Um, just talking to to people from different areas um, in sustainability and tourism to really understand um, what are the things we're missing, and I think um, that's been great.
0: Yeah, and I, I understand from an operational perspective, you know, ho- hotels especially, mm-hmm. you know, it's a 24-7 business, right? So when you want to start changing something, it's too hard. I mean, look, people don't like change anyways, right? And if you <laughs> add an additional level of complexity to it, that even really? oh, okay. But I think that's not an excuse or that shouldn't be a reason anymore. I think, yes, it's tough, it's mm-hmm. hard. I mean, it's the same like what I'm working on now, you know, we're tackling gender and wanting to look at gender from you know a different perspective and see how we can get more gender balance at all levels of hospitality. Yes, right. it's hard. It's not going to be easy. But, you know, we need to start having those conversations and start talking about it. And something that you mentioned earlier around sustainable tourism, I remember at a conference a couple of months ago you know, we were talking about, you know, how, you know, tourism drives the economy for many destinations and many countries. Yet at the same time, you're also trying to protect the destination, you know, especially from over tourism and things like that. You know, we've heard so many examples of islands or beaches or things like that being shut down just because they need to do like a massive cleanup or whatever that looks like. So it's Mm -hmm. like, you know what is the is there a right answer here right do we do we stop the tourism but then that impacts the economy or can we still have some benefit to the economy but while still protecting the environment so it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on that
1: yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely a, a very important question, I think. Um, I also think it really depends, as you said, about the destination, what the the economy is looking like. Are there ways to, you know, as you said, like if you close a certain destination, are there alternative livelihoods that can be provided um, to that community? Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's most important is to know that you have to start somewhere. Um, so I think a lot of hotels are realizing if they just if they just begin. Um, it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, if they just start thinking about sustainable tourism as just a, a journey where there's no, you know, it's constantly evolving. So this is not, there's no end goal yet, right? It, you just keep going as and make sure you're having positive impact on the destination and the people as well. Um, and so it's been actually great to see just examples of that happening now all over the world where, hotels are realizing they have to also listen to their travelers um, because there are more travelers expressing this interest in in sustainability initiatives and actually making decisions um, based on what, what, you know, either the hotels or destinations are offering. And so I think that's actually an interesting trend um, that hopefully will drive more change um, in the future as well. Um, because, of course, we need leadership driving some of those initiatives, but also, um, I think it has to be a mix of both um, from, from the leadership side, but also listening to the people who, who you're catering to, um, because personally, that's that's something I'm also <laughs> um, looking for when I travel, and I think it's just, um, it's, it's challenging to find that, find authentic, sustainable tourism initiatives, um, but it's also great to come across those hotels that are you know switching to glass from plastics uh, for for water or you know just even something as simple as that um, I think it's just good good to keep that in mind so
0: yeah I think um, my grandmother always used to say that you know when she was growing up there was hardly mm-hmm. any plastic anywhere right it was mostly glass or paper-based packaging right. or whatever that looks like you know plastic has only really come in, I don't know, last 50, 60 years or something like that. I'm not quite sure of the numbers here, but I'm just thinking of my grandmother's age and <laughs> what yeah. that change might've happened uh, for right. her as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I remember going to a conference a couple of years ago and we were you know, in one of these big rooms and they just had people standing there with trays of plastic bottles. And I was just thinking to myself, can't you just have some glasses and a bottle like that you can just refill or something like that or even nowadays like I'm still surprised by how many airports don't have like a refill station for water I, I struggled with that
1: recently too yeah I was surprised
0: and there's so many travels now, travelers now carrying their own bottles like they they're they prefer not to have to buy a plastic bottle but if the airport doesn't have that facility, like, what are you going to do, right? So
1: exactly. just simple
0: yeah. things, like you said, simple things like that just can start making a difference.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, the the other initiatives, you know, there's ways to find, um, I know when I went to uh, Mexico a few years ago, um, it wasn't a hotel-specific initiative, but I remember that was one of the first times I actually actively Looked for a sustainability initiative personally. Um, and so I reached out to a, a consultant at a nonprofit, an environmental nonprofit, complete cold call. But she gave me a great set of ideas of things I should consider from both an environmental and a social perspective. So she would tell me, Oh, take this tour with this specific operator um, because they're actually implementing responsible practices and the money comes back to the community. And so, you know, but that takes time to really, you know, take the time to reach out to someone, get that feedback, but it was really valuable in the end, the experience I had. Mm -hmm. And so I really hope there'll be more ways that hotels find ways to reduce that barrier for travelers to find those um, ways that they can, you know, potentially partner with um, community organizations that are already doing that work. So
0: you've said a few times now you've done like cold calls, right? Just you yeah. have the phone and, and, you know, asking people, I mean, to be honest, the idea of a cold call still fills me with, with dread. <laughs> so, but what motivated you to, to do that? And, and it sounds like you had pretty good, you
1: know, people were willing to give you their time yeah, you know it's it's funny. I wish I didn't call it a cold call. <laughs> I wish there was another word for it because i I understand the the typical assumption is that it's it's something that's um kind of nerve wracking. but I, I think I felt uh, motivated to do it because I, I knew what I didn't know. And so for me, it was a matter of, okay, I know what I want to learn um, and I would love to have that conversation with you to see what I can learn from you and but also uh, share my own insights. Um, and usually when you come with that kind of um, angle of like reaching out to someone, recognizing um, what, what they have to offer and you know re- respecting their time as well, um, people are very, uh, likely to respond with something positive. Um, and, and so I feel like, uh, surprisingly, yeah, it's been, it's been really interesting reaching out to people on LinkedIn where, you know, I just clearly explain what, what I'm interested in and keep it short and just ask for a 20 minute call. And, um, people have been really generous, um, with their time, whether that's in the tourism sector or in the ocean space, I've, been very lucky to meet people who have been willing mm-hmm. um to to share their time and um especially a lot of women um even in leadership positions which I have to say it you know has surprised me because I know everyone's busy you know there's only so much time you have um but I want to share that because for anyone who's you know worried about reaching out to someone or things that they probably won't respond <laughs> um I think you should still go for it because um people want to talk about what they do and want to share their thoughts and um I think that's that's really great to see
0: another barrier sometimes well I've thought it myself but I've also read about it especially with women who are nervous to reach out you know make that uh, I agree cold call is not a is not a good word but <laughs> reach out to someone that they don't know let's just put it that way
1: right
0: it's like oh you know who am I to waste their time type of mentality right that thought process like oh I'm just bothering them but I think the other thing and this keeps coming up a lot especially when you think about networking is people love talking about themselves right and they love talking about what they're doing so if you're asking them questions about their work then why not you know I'm sure they'd love to talk to you I mean of course occasionally they'll say no and say okay I'm a little bit busy you know let's find some other time but you know, nowadays, so, if you reach out in advance and you schedule a call, you know they're they're prepared to have a conversation with you.
1: So that's really yeah, really and, great and it's that. also a matter of respecting their their time and doing the follow up. I think um that sometimes gets missed probably in mm-hmm. the maybe the more traditional networking where, you know, people might just have that first call or the email and then it's just you know a silence. And so I think um the ones that have been really long term relationships for me, whether it was at Duke. Or in the tourism sector more recently, it's the people who I've just, you know, continued having those quick conversations, you know, maybe attended an event that made me think of them or read an article that they might be interested in. I think I think it's those um, touch points that also matter in the end, um, because that's what's mattered to me when, when people reach out to me as well.
0: Yeah, it's always remembering to continue to maintain those relationships with the people that you've been networking with even Mm -hmm. if it doesn't mean you need something from them but like you're saying you just thought about them Mm -hmm. read an article article you thought it might be interesting and that's a really really great way to keep in touch yeah um and so let's talk a little bit about um ocean conservation and your interests there
1: Mm -hmm. yeah so that was something before the the passion for sustainable tourism started, actually, it was marine science and conversa- uh, conservation. Um, and so I spent a good year uh, thinking I should go into grad school <laughs> to get a marine science degree, um, but then quickly realized that um, the, the careers that would come out of that specific area would not really suit me. Um, but I still had that passion. It didn't go away. Um, and so when I started looking into CSR and sustainable tourism initiatives, It was this one article by a major hospitality chain that was just doing a beach cleanup effort. And even just that, you know, it was just one article, but that really, you know, got me excited about this idea of the intersection of ocean sustainability and tourism. And then I just dove deeper into that idea and started attending events, whether that was about, you know, coral restoration efforts that were happening in the tourism space um, or uh, plastic pollution initiatives. Uh, I really just spent a few years just attending events, immersing myself, um, learning as much as I could um, about different ocean topics that would impact the tourism sector. Mm. And so um, one way I was able to do that was actually reaching out to a seafood strategy director at a hospitality chain um, and just understanding, you know, what it's like to um, implement sustainable seafood uh, initiatives, and really getting deeper into that topic, where you can actually have an impact on these endangered species um, that need protection. Um, and so, I think that topic is something. If I had to pick the niche that I'm interested in, tourism, that's it. It's ocean sustainability, <laughs> um, because I feel like that's like the best way for me to intersect my my two. <laughs> two passions. Um, and so that was just like a quick example of um, the way I see that that sector moving. And I do see quite a few initiatives now. Um, Noreen, I don't know if you've heard, but there's the Tourism Action Coalition for a Sustainable Ocean that started just two years ago, I believe. Um, but there's, there's all these partnerships that are slowly starting around this idea of um, driving sustainability um, for the ocean through um, the tourism sector. And that's that's really exciting to see because there's a lot of countries that are dependent on um, on coastal tourism and communities as well. So I think there's a lot of win-win opportunities um, if if there's more of that. Yeah.
0: yeah, and I think that's the kind of sustainable tourism that we would all like to see, you know, no matter where we go. I mean, obviously we We know what's happening. We know, you know, if you read the news, if you have any interest <laughs> in <laughs> climate change whatsoever, you'll know. So I think, yes, I mean, obviously we're from you know tourism and hospitality. you know, we all need to do what is our bit, but I think every industry you know needs to do their bits um, as well, exactly. Um, So besides kind of learning about, you know, which area you want to specialize, how you want to integrate both the environmental and the tourism hospitality side and, you know, learning how to become a networking expert, (laughs) what would you say have been some of your
1: other learnings? Um, something else I've learned is that um, especially while attending, you know, webinars uh, from here in North Carolina that would be taking place in other in other countries, something I learned is that there could be diversity in tourism, but it's hard to find it. Um for me personally, when I would attend events, I wouldn't see a lot of people who look like me um, on the panels or on on webinars, um, even though I know that expertise is there. And I I understood that towards the end of of my journey of learning about this. But I wish, you know, there was just more um, exposure and more amplification for for the people who might be underrepresented in the sector. Um, And so, of course, I just entered uh, the hospitality sector technically just four months ago. And so I haven't had the opportunity to really find a way to push for more of that. But I would love to get more involved on you know, um, just just similar to the work you're doing, Noreen, just like finding ways to um, uplift and amplify the work of other um, sustainability tourism or just tourism professionals who just um, aren't making it um, to those spaces as much or not getting the exposure they need, Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of work that needs to be done (laughs) in that area, Santoni, and it's, you know, I mean, I'm not surprised that that's what you noticed Mm -hmm. pretty much soon after you enter the industry it's what i've been noticing for the last you know 16 17 years that i've entered the industry as well and part of the reason why i'm doing what i'm doing yes my focus is very much around women and gender um but yes there are lots of organizations trying to do lots of different things in sort of diversity in general so but a lot more to be done so i think if each and every one of us can do that one little thing to help raise awareness and, you know, start talking about this, the better it will be. I mean, I mean, quite frankly, the reason why I never chose to be a GM of a hotel is because I never saw, well, one, I never saw a woman being a GM. I definitely never saw an Asian woman being a GM. So I was like, yeah, that's never going (laughs) to (laughs) happen for me. So, but it's, it's definitely changed since then. And I would say in the last few years, especially since I started this journey of, you know, sharing the stories and the podcast, um, Mm -hmm. I've learned there's a lot of women out there. We just didn't have the visibility. As Yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, that's what I enjoyed about reading about some of the people you have been, you know, showing through your podcast. It's just nice to see. And it's just a nice reminder that we are out there. um and and there are ways to you know do our own part um there was a recent event uh, that i organized here at duke called the blue economy summit and we had a tourism panel um, and we made sure to incorporate voices from, you know, um, both smaller countries, but also having representation from women. And so mm-hmm. it was just nice because we had people from Anguilla, Bahamas, um, and it was just nice to hear different perspectives. And I think that just adds so much value to this conversation around tourism mm-hmm. um, as well.
0: Yeah, we and we just, you know, we need to get ready to speak. I think that's another thing. We definitely need to make sure that we're
1: ready to speak and have our voices heard. That's a really good point because I, I know as someone who uh, usually avoids public speaking, <laughs> uh, especially a few years ago, this is um, this is, takes time and I agree yeah. you should be ready, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's just about practice, getting into the habit of it, doing it slowly and yeah, eventually you'll get to a place where you don't even think about it anymore. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and uh speaking of yeah different people and different people that have been on this podcast as well and the people that inspire us I will move on to my final question and
1: ask you who inspires you yeah this was uh I knew you were going to ask me this Noreen and I, I spent some time thinking because I feel like you know there's people around me whether that's especially right now the community at this Uh, Nicholas School and my master's program, Uh, my friends, my family. I feel like I'm constantly inspired by so many people. But um, if I had to pick one person, um, it would be my dad, um, who I call Tati. Um, He inspires me because he grew up in Sri Lanka. He went to school there, completed his degree and built a career uh, there. But he uprooted himself um, to move abroad to find uh, more opportunities for us. And I know that couldn't have been easy uh, living in a new country, especially as an adult, um, and having to adjust to a new work culture, um, facing a lot of those challenges, while making sure we were happy and giving us the values that really mattered to adjust to a new life, Um, that really inspires me and I think you know, my ability to probably embrace all these changes and adapt to new cultures probably came from him. Um, and so whenever I face challenges in my own life, I, I really look to some of the struggles he must have gone through. And um, I'm constantly inspired by that.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that, Sandhini. And thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Thank you so much, Orange, for having me here. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you were as inspired as I was by that story. Please follow us here and on LinkedIn, where I post videos of the recordings. Stay tuned for many more stories of inspiring women in hospitality.